Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 45th episode of Fair the Burn. I am your host, Chandler Fair, and I know that currently, if you're watching this on YouTube, all you're seeing is uh, my name, and the reason for that is because I just tried to test out my camera, and unfortunately, things are going kind of weird. So, uh, just knew my name for a little bit, but don't worry, we'll, I'll kind of try to test it out during the episode and see what happens. Uh, two business of uh, two little housekeeping things before we get into our guest today. The first thing is I want to say is, guys, this was uh, our first two months back to back where we had at least 100 streams per month. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tell your friends, like, subscribe, do all of the good things that they tell you to do on all the other podcasts. Um, and let's just keep growing, man. 200 months back to back. Let's see if we can make that work all the way through 2023. Let's get it. Second thing is, uh, and I'll try to turn my camera on for this so I can really speak to everyone's hearts. Um, if you have been watching this show for a while, you know that I started it with my buddy Cougar. Um, and he, turn my camera off. We can't, I'm not, no camera today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, me and Cougar uh, started this podcast long ago to talk about Christ, corruption, and culture. And Cougar has been going through a massive uh, spiritual change in his life and has seemed to discover um, some bits of truth found in the KJV Bible that it may be different than other translations. Um, so if you are interested in this, anything else having to do with scripture, the word of God, um, if you would like to just commune with us, we are going to start meeting on Saturdays at 6 p.m. Um, to do a little Bible study to kind of go through some PowerPoints, just some studies that Cougar's been doing. We're not pastors, none of that. We're just organizing this thing and we're all just going to come together and have some conversation. But nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, today on the 45th episode of Fair the Burn, we have none other than number 45 himself. Uh, possibly the number one 45er in all of Utah. Maybe, maybe, maybe America, maybe the world. Who knows? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, please, with me, Kawhi, the throwing Samoan Thompson. Yeah, man, th thanks for the intro. Sheesh. Of course, man. Uh, I'm stoked to have you on the podcast, dude. Like, it's been a minute. I first saw you fighting when you fought Darian. Um, but before we kind of get into everything, can you kind of just let the people know a little bit about yourself? Yeah, no, of course. Um, my name is Kawhi Thompson. I'm uh, 23 years old. Uh, currently, I fight in the 145-pound division. But I don't think uh, – I love being a fighter, but – I don't know if I necessarily want fighting to be my complete identity. And I, I like I like your uh, podcast idea. I think that spirituality aspect and Christ and corruption in our culture is like uh, something super important to everyone. And I think I like fighting because it's like a physical expression of like my inward spirit. Perfect, bro. Perfect. Um, so outside of, outside of fighting, we'll kind of start with that and we'll kind of dive into some different stuff later, but Outside of fighting, um, what are you kind of passionate about? Like, what do you do? Um, I, man, sheesh, that's a hard question. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as like LDS or Mormon. I, I did serve a mission in uh, Fiji, and I, I really love and miss that. I love hanging out with like uh, my family, me and my. Uh, I'm the youngest of five, and I got three older brothers and one little sister, and they're all married, except for me. But most of them are all my brothers have uh, kids. I, I'm really close with my nieces and nephews. It's, it's super fun to hang out with them, you know, talk smack, just just play around, and uh, I don't know. That's like something that I was that I became passionate about was like before my mission and like before I got into like. Um, Fighting, it was, like, more about me and, like, sports and, like, chasing girls. But then after coming home, it's, like, more about, like, personal improvement and, like, family time, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, man. As a as a young buck, uh, I feel like all of us kind of get wrapped up in the ways of the world um, and girls and just kind of chasing what feels good in the moment. But it's it's crazy. The older you get, kind of the more grounded you become. And um, that's sick, man. I, I have two older sisters. I also have a uh, three nieces and nephews how old are how old are yours oh man i got like 
I got too many. The oldest one is like eight. The oldest one's eight, then it like goes all the way down to like a couple months. Mm, dang, dude. So they're still popping out too, huh? Like bread in the oven. Yeah. They're still coming. They're still coming. I'm trying to I'm trying to get on that horse so my, my kids can grow up with their kids, but I don't know if that's gonna happen anytime soon. Dude, you're telling me that you don't wanna be the the picture of you with your tongue out towards Andrew Heaton on the wall for your, your entire life? You wanna actually settle down with someone? Oh man, it's it's gotta be the right person, bro. <laughs> yeah. That might take a while. <laughs> big facts, big facts. Um I right, dude. So uh I kinda wanna just talk to you about fighting just kinda off top. Um where does your kind of story begin with that? Um, I think growing up, my family's always been kind of uh, super competitive and kind of, uh, how do I say this? We're all, we always were rough with each other. And I think that's common in a lot of uh, Polynesian households. We always used to play around. And I was always the youngest, so I was always the one getting it the most. Metaphorically speaking, it felt like I was getting the most. I probably wasn't getting it at all. But uh, it, it instilled in me, like, a very competitive drive, and you kind of got to fight to survive. And so I did, like, a little bit of wrestling. My family's mainly, like, a big football family. And so okay. then I started playing football, got competitive. Then when I hit high school, I um, decided to join the wrestling team. And that's something I fell in love with. I fell in love with uh, wrestling so much, other than football, mainly because, like, um, I like individual sports. Maybe I'm selfish or a bad team player, but I don't like depending on others for my success. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it maybe maybe a lot of my teams were bad because I was on them, but when I like I like wrestling because like I, I just like fighting in general because I, everything's on you, and you can't like look to your left or look to your right and have someone else hop in there. It's like completely hundred percent up to you and up to you where you're gonna go. So yeah, I started wrestling in high school. Um, played a little bit of rugby as well. That was pretty fun. Love playing rugby. And uh, my wrestling coach, his uh, family actually owns uh, the gym I train at, at uh, Ultimate Combat Training Center down in Mill Creek. And so after after I got done wrestling in high school, I, I thought I was going to be done, be away from uh, combat sports forever. And I served my mission, came home. Then when I come home, um... I, I found American food makes you makes you so heavy and so big. So I gained twenty pounds. I was just I was just a big boy coming from my mission. How much were and you? I, how much? How much is that twenty pounds? Like like what does that look like on the scale? Um, when I came home from my mission, I probably I was probably like one seventy five. But it, it like didn't look bad, but like you could see it on my face. My face was chunky, no abs. I was I was sick. Yeah, and so I needed to like get back into training. And like um, I think I, I think so, like something's up with my head where like I only find joy in like very certain exciting and dangerous things, and I kind of went back to my old wrestling coach, maybe like the first week or two, just wanting to get in shape, but then I realized like I had no stand up, no boxing skills whatsoever, and it, I it instilled that competitive drive in me again to get better, and then. I got hooked again. So how quickly after like kind of jumping into um, training like MMA and kind of rounding out your skills were you like, oh, I want to fight. Like I might want to like do this. Oh, oh, man. Well, it probably took like uh, probably like two or three months to like finally like like the first month is hard to like be consistent because you get so tired after like not working out for so long. And so then once I got consistent, I started going every day and training every day. Um, then it, it started, the, my, my dream started to come into, like, the dream came to me where I was like, man, I, I, I want to actually fight. And it's like kind of around the same time I was like super getting into like UFC and combat sports and just watching them all the time and like obsessing over them. And so I just got obsessed with it. And then it took like probably like two months, got addicted. Then I decided to go all in. That's pretty quick, bro. That's pretty. I mean, you had that you had that wrestling basis before you, but I feel like two months getting in, you're like, yeah, you know, I had to get into shape. And then once I was into shape, I'm, I'm ready to roll, man. I'm ready to rock. Yeah, but not gonna lie, I was pretty. I was pretty. I wasn't. I wasn't that good because um, 
that was probably 2021. Take a couple months. Then I didn't have my first boxing fight till November. And so even though I was like all in, I didn't, I didn't, um, boxing kind of weird. Not a lot of people like, you have a lot of pullouts on fights. So I couldn't get a fight until like November. Mm. But then once I got that first fight, it was like, all right, let's go. And then and I always forget, did you actually box Darian or were you guys just set up to box and then didn't, it didn't come to fruition? Yeah. So basically, um, we show up to the show and the promoter that was throwing the show, he had messed up on the doctor. And so we were scheduled to fight. We did fight, but because there's no doctor, it had to be switched to an exhibition because it wasn't sanctioned by uh, USA Boxing. Mm. So we did have a smoker show, which means there's no doctor, there's no judging. So we did, yeah, we boxed. But there wasn't like, yeah, there wasn't like a winner that came out of it or anything because it was an exhibition or what? Yeah, there's no judges. So it's just like, all right, raise both your hands, go home. Yeah. (laughs) Participation awards. Yeah, between me and Darian, you know I won that fight. Yeah. <laughs> hey man. Hey, I gotta be like Joe Rogan out here, dude. I gotta stay, I gotta stay as non-biased as possible. You know what I mean? And I'm just kidding, man. We, we had a good <laughs> I'm just throwing shots just for fun. Yeah, I mean, both of you guys are scrappers, man. So uh especially like your first your debut at Steel Fist. I um I was like, man, this guy for his first fight, like just is a stud, man. He's just got skills and um I thought you were really gonna you know, I'm no expert or anything. I'm just a fan, but I was like, Kawhi's got a lot of potential. And then your last three fights, man, you come out with, was it the knockout first or the decision versus Tyler Harden? Uh, I got a knockout. Then I got the decision. Then my last fight got the submission. Yeah. Which is crazy, man. It's like the, it's like the Holy Trinity of MMA right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need to get a unanimous decision. I need to, I need to get a Peruvian necktie. I need to do a lot more things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm completely satisfied. Well, dude, he, uh, you know, I would, I had the only fight I hadn't seen of you is Tyler Harden. And I actually do apologize to that guy. Cause on one of the, uh, breakdowns of steel fist, I had, um, I said that you knocked him out and you actually didn't knock him out. You had a decision with him. So me and my buddy Dave went back, watched the fight, man. He caught, did he catch you clean with that head kick, man? Yeah. He caught me so clean. Clean, good dude. Thing, man. Good thing. I got a good chin. That was, that was, I was close. I dude, I, I was, was knowing that you had the decision at the end of that. I was like, "How does this man win this fight and come back against this dude after just getting cracked, man?" Yeah, was, that that kick out of nowhere. It was, was amazing. Like, Boom, right on the chin. But luckily, he, I have a big neck, so. Yeah, so that's something I'm I'm kind of curious about with you, bro. Is it's like, you know, a lot of. Uh, islanders who seem to be smaller just have like immaculate chins do you think there's anything to like i imagine that most of your family are fairly large people is that fair to say yeah a lot of my cousins are pretty big one of my older brothers is really big then like the rest of us are kind of like just average sized but i don't I'm, i'm i'm thinking about it too because you hear like stories of max holloway has a great chin then if you watch, like, Taitu Ivasa's fight against Sarogan, he has a great chin. But uh, BJ Penn back know. in the day. Penn has a great chin. I, I don't know. So, uh, I, I can't. Maybe it's genetics. Maybe we're just used to getting hit. <laughs> I think it's – I think I, – dude, honestly, I'm trying to think of it. I, I can't. You're I like, can't put my finger on it. Just our whole life is war, man. It's like my brothers are picking on me. Everyone else is fighting me, like. I don't know, man. I just think if if you're related to people that are like, you know, six, four or whatever and 300 plus pounds and you're a guy like our size, like obviously I have more weight on me than you, but we're about the same height, me and you. Um, there's just got to be something to that, man. I just I just think. Dude, I, think I want that size, though, man. I got skips, bro. You want to fight those big guys, though, dude? If I was that size, man, I'll fight anyone. <laughs> Dude, I can I do not want to imagine what it's like for you to be fighting at like light heavyweight, middleweight. The way that you calmly storm people amazes me. Like you don't give anyone any time to relax ever. It feels like and you're like always in range to do damage um and you're fighting smart and like IQ wise. It's amazing to me when they, you know, e- after every steel fist fight it's always 
was there anything in there that surprised you? That's like one of the first questions I usually ask. Yeah, and yeah. you normally like, com- like comparatively to other fighters I've seen have like much more sophisticated answers. So I feel like your head is super clear in there too. Like, what do you, what's it like for you in the cage? I, I think that comes to like experience and a lot of competition. Cause like, um, when I, uh, when I played guard beam, like I was definitely the smallest kid on the field and I was going against those freaking light heavyweight, heavyweight Polynesian kids. And we just get rocked and rocked and rocked. And it, it, it takes a lot of mental strength to not get into a fight or flight instinct. Mm. And there, I think there's a time for fighting and flighting, but sometimes I don't think it's the time in the, in, in the, in the cage. I think you have to be smart and there's certain times where you have to turn that on, but I don't like turn. I don't like, um, I don't like turning that on too much because I don't want to rely on it too much. I want to be, I don't, I don't know. So sometimes I think too much and I need to be a dog. Then other times I'm a dog too much. And I need to think just a little bit. Mm. And I, I think sometimes like when, when it comes to experience and it comes to experience and understanding that like, yes, there's a big show and yes, there's a relatively large amount of people in the crowd. You, you, you can't let that affect you because it's like at the end of the day, it's just, you're just scrapping with one of the boys and it, it, like, it's not, yeah, it's scary, but it's like, it's not life or death. Like this, this is a good time. This is a blessed life. So might as well have fun with it. Smile. Think about what you're doing and go and do it. Yeah. It seems like you're sometimes it, it, I, I think that it, it would be tough. The reason that I would never fight in the cage is because I think it would be tough to be like when to think and when to act and when to do this. And like you were kind of saying, it's like, you're kind of caught in the middle sometimes um, where it's like, I need to be a dog, but I should have thought, you know, I thought and I should have been a dog. Um, but I don't know, man, when I see you in there, I just, and it, you know, it's just how I, I'm perceiving your performance. I just feel like you're the eye of the hurricane, man. And you're ready to throw these mofos around into the waters. One day, one day, one day I'm going to make all your, your sayings come true. <laughs> I don't know if I'm there yet. I don't know if I'm there yet. I feel you. I feel you. I'm saying for the people that I've been, I mean, dude, you called for the belt. So it's not like, you know, I, I respect the humility. I really do. But after the last fight, you're like, I better be fighting for that belt soon. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. That's like kind of a short this year goal. Then get another belt. Maybe at 135 next year or this year go to 135 and 145. But yeah. Nah, yeah. I, I think as a fighter, it's you gotta have both. I think that's with life. You gotta have both the ego and the humility, because if you have just all of one and all of another, it just never works. I think life, uh, not just inside of fighting, it's a lot about balance. If you don't have that, uh, your your life tends to teeter out of focus and out of perspective. Certainly, certainly, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I'm not here trying to say that you're unbeatable or that you're Superman or that you. You know, I know. That right. I mean, you, I know. You didn't see that kick, bro? Like, <laughs> if that kick was that kick was one psi harder, man. I don't know. I probably would have retired. Well, that desperation shot it saved you, bro, and then you kept fighting through. So, um, yeah, I, I just, you know, I just, uh, I like you as a person, like on the mic. I like what you do in the cage, you know. And again, I'm not trying to say you're invincible, um, but. I'm here to big up you a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm here to big up you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> of course, bro. Uh, the last thing I kind of want to talk about with fighting is on the uh, broadcast, I feel like whenever I – dude, I turn the commentators off sometimes because I go – I know that they can give me good backstories, but also all of most of you guys have Instagrams. Like, I can find you if I need to contact you. I can actually contact you guys, like, personally. Um, yeah. They always say that you're big for 145. Do you feel big for 145? Man, I I'm, I feel like I'm tiny for 145. That's what I, especially compared to all the dudes you're fighting, dude, who are like six foot, six one, five ten. Yeah, man, those commentators are lying. Nah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty small for 145. That's why I'm kind of thinking of a 135 switch because I I only cut like 10 pounds for 145, and it's not that hard for me to make it. And I think my body size is a lot better at 135. 
And your last weight but, with Hector was a catch weight at 140, is that right? Yeah, 140. It was kind of rough to make, but I could definitely make 135 if I really needed to. Do you think you'd have to just, like, keep yourself lighter during, like, when you're not in camp? Or what would just cut, like, have a better system of cutting or what? Um, I have a really good nutritionist. Okay. His name is Adam now. He's a, actually my jiu-jitsu coach as well. Shout out to that guy. But, um, no, we, we, we had it pretty dialed in. And so I woke up probably on what day of weigh-ins at like 138, 130, yeah, like 138 or so. And I went to sleep on the night before at 141. And I cut down to 138 just like just by sleeping it off. I felt really good about it. And uh, I think, buh, 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 I think if, and like after I cut the weight and I woke up on Thursday, I was like super dead and exhausted. But I still went to work. And since I was under by two pounds, I was like drinking and eating just a little bit. I'll make it up to 140. And I'll like go to the bathroom or like spit it out. Then I'll get down to like 139, then eat some more to get to 140 and like stay there the whole day. But I feel like if I didn't eat anything on the day of weigh-ins Friday, I'd been fine at 135. Wow. Dude. Yes. I think I'm I'm yeah, I have yeah, I have a weird body. So I like, think you would be an animal at 135, man. An animal. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of the goal. But I, I've kind of gotten used to fighting taller dudes, so it's kind of it's it's weird fighting people my size, if that makes sense. It's like a was, different game. Totally. Was it wild fighting Hector comparatively? Um, it was like different in its own sense because I wanted to strike a lot more, but I couldn't like figure out the range without putting myself in danger too much by getting hit with like an overhand or something. And so that's why I just decided to wrestle him because once I felt like once I felt the clinch game, I knew that I was just like so much like uh, just based on size alone, I was just so much stronger than him. And I was like, man, I'm not going to like risk taking a punch to the face when I could just finish this the like the safest and most effective way. But, yeah, it was weird because I, I couldn't find I, I didn't try to, but I didn't really want, find the range for my left hand. I was just like poking with my right, giving him my leg just for him to grab it to initiate the clinch. But it was, it was definitely different because I'm used to punching up and I'm used to like using my footwork to get in and get out. But he was like so short that like I couldn't tell if he was like close to me or super far away from me, if that makes sense. Mm. So I'm not used to, I'm, I'm not used to looking down. I'm used to looking up. Right. But things just a little bit. His game was pretty different than everyone else's too, huh? Comparatively. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else used a lot of more kicks, and he he was more in like in that trying to like a uh, small time wrestle me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, take you take you down like the cows. Take me down, but uh, I think I was just too too big for him, bro. You certainly but, were, bro. You were too strong in that fight. Um, yeah. Sick man. So I'm gonna try to turn this camera on one more time, and if it absolutely can't happen, then it can't happen. But Looks like we might have some camera work. Oh, and here we go again. So if you're seeing this and you're on, this is exactly why I don't have my camera on. Um, why this is not how I wanted to do this. I'm just telling you this mid-podcast. I wish I could have talked to you face-to-face the whole time, bro. Um, oh, that's right. Next time. Next time. Yeah. Um, but just to negate this. Uh, dude, so I'm on your Instagram. And I'll tell you what. I was immediately like, I love this dude. And my second thought was, this guy likes guns. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, Got some here. Are, are you a gun owner? Yeah, yeah, I am a gun owner. Okay, nice. How many you got? I don't know anything about guns, but I think they're incredibly important. But how many you got? Uh, I, I, got a, I got enough for my needs. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> Got enough for my needs. Got the fun ones. This man doesn't want to disclose anything. Um, how long you been shooting? Um, as as a kid, me and my me and my close friends, we used to we used to go around the neighborhood with BB guns. And I just always, I, my family's like super blue collared and super like redneck, but we're also Polynesian. It's a weird mix, mm. and like just anything manly, we're, we're just into. And so guns just naturally came. Like my dad's super into guns. All my brothers are super into guns. And just 
just being a straight up American, just owning some guns and blasting things on the range or going in the backyard, trying to shoot some magpies, man, I, that, that was living. That was fun. That was like the entertainment. Hell yeah, and, like brother. going, yeah. going out in the backyard and trying to shoot each other. Like that was, man, I have some of my like favorite memories from that. Was there like uh was it you and your friends around uh, your neighborhood you said that would like get BB guns? Like would you guys like do war and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It was fun. Did you grow yeah, up was... in a sorry, sorry to cut you off, continue. Right, no, go on, go on. Um, did you grow up in a pretty rural place? No, it, it's pretty it's pretty suburb. Like it's just uh I grew up in South Salt Lake. Okay. Like probably like forty five minutes south of downtown. And, and it, and, yeah, it was like very suburban, but I mean, luckily we live in Utah, so like, not a lot of people in the neighborhood really cared that we were just going around with BB guns and shooting each other and stuff. Big facts. It was fun. It was fun. We, yeah, we grew up loving that stuff. And not today anymore, man. Every now today, I'm sure all your nieces or nephews. Uh, I mean, I hope out there they're shooting BB guns, but I'm sure they also got. Yeah. Well, luckily, luckily with my nieces, um, my brothers really raised them right. And so for my niece's last birthday, I gave her a BB gun. <laughs> yeah, no, my nieces, we don't really look like, they don't even, they don't even have like any iPads or anything. That's amazing, dude. And your, uh, your family, do you sell family out in Samoa or? Um, so basically how that happened is my grandparents' family, they moved from Samoa to Hawaii because of the church back in the day. Then all my family kind of migrated out to Laire where BYU Hawaii is. And then my dad came out to Utah for school at BYU. And we settled over here. And so I'm sure I still have some family members over there, but they got to be very distant. Pushing this thing forward. Um, so let's go. Uh, technical difficulties, so we're cutting this thing together. Um, the church does a lot of work on the islands, don't they? Yeah, it's actually um, some of the Pacific Islands have the most amount of church members, like in real in relation to their population size. That's pretty wild. Um, yeah, so I, also, I also heard a stat that I think one fifth of all Pacific Islanders live in Utah in America. You know any validity to that? Dude, honestly, probably, but I have no idea because I think like the main hubs for Islanders is. New Zealand, Australia, Hawaii, California, and Utah. Mm. And then there's like there's some, there's a bunch of people in Texas. Randomly enough, there's a bunch of Samoans out in Missouri, and then a bunch in Washington and Alaska. Oh, interesting. Yeah, those are like the main hubs, I think. Have you ever been to Samoa? Yeah. Not yet, man. I want to. Yeah, I feel so fake. I want to. I want to go so bad. But I want to work on my uh, my Samoan language skills. Because mm. right now I just know English. I know Fijian for my mission. And so, like, before I go back, I, uh, I want to, like, really learn the language, if that makes sense. Just because, I don't know, there's, there's something about respect and following the tradition and, like, showing the respect back to the to the ancestors and also to the – because uh, respect is one really big thing in Polynesian culture. And I feel like it'd be disrespectful to me to go back as like somewhat of a tourist. Right. When I claim that, you know what I mean? No, I totally get that. That's, that's huge, man. That's awesome. Um, I guess right now, instead of the throw-in Samoan, they could call you the unknown Samoan. Oh, damn. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> the, the little joke out there for all my fans. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, all, me, bro. all 10 of them, bro. Um, uh yeah dude so real quick before we kind of end and i would like to end on some faith talk um i'm curious about why are you red pilled are you red pilled yeah i'm I'm a little red pilled you're a little red pilled (laughs) i'm 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 like, man, yeah, no, yeah, I'm I'm pretty red pilled. I think it's super important to be like a to follow tradition. I think traditions there's a reason for it. 
And when we don't follow tradition and don't like understand what our ancestors did for us, then, then we run into mistakes. I definitely agree with that. I also think that today with everything going on, um, a lot of people, especially women, will lie to you about like what they're kind of after um, in like a, like a dating market. And I think it's really important as a dude to um, not be a loser and to not be a bum, um, not necessarily like judging people for like, you know, making choices or whatever. But if you want to become more attractive, it's it's really important to understand like what other people and the other gender that you're trying to attract is looking at. Um, yeah, yeah, no, 100 percent. I feel like. As a man, as a person. Like, like, um, I, I, I read somewhere where it's like, when you consume more than you create, you become depressed. I think that's completely true. I think Dude. that's one of the reasons I love fighting so much is because I, I like to create. I'm actually writing that down right now. That's a beautiful quote. Yeah, it's not by me. I, I, man, I probably found it on Instagram somewhere. When you consume more than you create, you become depressed. Yes. That's sick, man. <laughs> Yeah, but dude, not me. You probably look it up. It's probably like Marcus Aurelius or something. I don't know. Yeah, right. Some some stoic somewhere. Um, stoic guy. What do you What yeah. do you think about what's going on with Tate right now? I know. I, here's the thing. I really hope he's not guilty of trafficking. Not because I like the guy. Because if he is guilty, that means there's victims, and that's pretty sad. And I hope there's like yeah. I mean, I hope no girl ever has to go through that because that's so. Uh, that's kind of heartbreaking. But I think it's kind of hypocritical to go after a guy like that. But we still have, like, Epstein and freaking Ghislaine Maxwell, like, locked up. And we, like, don't even know, like, the client list. And so I feel like, like, I feel like right now it's, like, so biased right now. And I feel like we need to, like, search for truth in all facets of life. And I feel like... Half the country wants to search for truth in one part of life, then the other half wants to search for truth in another part of life, but no one wants the complete truth, and it's it, it bugs me. Yeah, it really bugs. Yeah, there's there's definitely there's like you're saying balance, right? It's like the yin and the yang, and it's like just because someone doesn't agree with you doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad person or that they're guilty of heinous things, right? And uh, there's also a level of content I think out there that you know when he's on podcasts and things sometimes as a podcast host, I know this, you'll kind of exaggerate things that you say um, or be more outlandish for, you know, views and for people to kind of be more interested in what you have to say. Uh, and I do think some of the things Tate has said is kind of wild, certainly. Um, yeah. But I, I agree with most of it, man, with like the general vicinity of it. So. Yeah, now I'm with you. He kind of has like, um, he kind of has that, like, that Jake Paul approach. Like, if you remember Jake Paul from, like, a year or two ago, he was just, like, wild and, like, saying the craziest stuff just because it got eyes on him. But now, like, when you listen to Jake Paul, like, as of, like, late, he's a lot more reasonable and a lot less talking trash because he already captured the audience. I think Tate kind of took the same playbook. And, like, when you listen to Tate now, it's like you don't really hear as much of the outlandish stuff as you used to. And I think he did that on purpose. Mm. That's if a that good makes sense. That's, I mean, that's chess, man, right? Like, that's chess. Um, so that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, before we talk about uh, faith in Jesus and all of the great things of this world, um, what do you think about Jake, Jake Paul signing with the PFL? Yeah, I think, man, Jake Paul's like the ultimate experiment, right? Because he has all the money. He has all the connections. He has the body for it. He's athletic. But it's like, can you make a world champ? to that and i don't know because i feel like sometimes like being a world champ there's like there's got to be something inside you you know what i mean like um so i don't know if it's like i don't know if just like spending a bunch of money on training and the coaches and the best facilities makes you a world champ maybe it's that maybe it's people have it inside them to become world champ i don't know or maybe it's a mixture of all those things so I'm really curious to see what he does when he actually fights someone legit. And I know Anderson Silva's legit, but, like, he's also 47. And you're, like, I don't even know how old Jake Paul is, like, 26 or 25? Yeah, around, around our age, yeah. 
yeah, to me, it's just like, man, go freaking fight someone that's on the come up too, that's just as hungry as you, and see how it goes. Because if you're not, if you don't like fight the best of the best, man, like you know that you deep down you're 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 cheating yourself, and I think he knows that. And so hopefully in this next couple of years he freaking takes some big fights against some legit boxing opponents. It's not fair to fight an MMA guy because like boxing is a huge part of MMA, but it's like it's just like one section of it. And so yeah. it's just it's yeah, you know I mean, like I don't know. Yeah, I feel like wherever he finds himself, there always will be some story of, you know, this is in stacked in his favor or against his favor or whatever. Like you're saying, you know, like Anderson, arguably, if not the greatest striker in MMA history, but it's still boxing, right? Regardless of if he's 47, like he has great hands and he was a great boxer. We saw that. I think he fought Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's still like, you know, if that's all Jake's been doing for years and years and years now, you know, three or four, if you focus on something every day, you're going to get incredibly good at that thing specifically. And if he fights MMA, it's going to be same, same situation. Well, I don't fight MMA. Of course I lost or whatever. Yeah. And it's, and it's like MMA striking and boxing striking is two very different things. Cause sometimes you can't throw your punches as hard as MMA cause you might get taken down. And so the setups are a little bit different. And so I, I'm just curious. I, I want to see. I want. I want to see Jake Paul fight the best. You I agree. I, mean? I agree, dude. We've been we've been big Jake Paul supporters here on this podcast since literally day one. Um, not that I think he's the greatest, but I, for the same reason as you, man, I think he is the greatest experiment of all time. Let's see what this kid can do. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with that. I right, dude. I'm with that. Uh, so just to kind of wrap up here. Um, you are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, correct? Of course. Um, since birth or? Yeah, yeah. My, uh, both my, the sides of my family have come to long lines of uh, uh, people of the church. But that doesn't mean that, like, I didn't have to, like, not find my own faith, if that makes sense. I know a lot of people that are just like, yeah, I grew up in the church, but uh, I don't know if it's right for me. It's like, yeah, I grew up in the church, and I had to search for the truth, and I found it in the church, and so it's right for me. So what does uh, being LDS mean to you? Uh, I think it means trying, it's kind of like fighting. Every day, try and be a little bit better than you were yesterday. And I think keeping that perspective and trying your hardest to reach out to others and be nice to other people. Because um, I think, like, this is going to sound, like, off, but, like, after a fight, after you win a fight, it's like, yeah, it's a really great feeling. You get your hand raised, the crowd goes crazy, whatever. But there's certain things that are more important than that. And I feel like relationships is one of them. And I feel like being a church member has brought me not only like great peace and joy in my savior, but also great peace and joy in relationships around me, especially with my family and just getting close to them. And uh, like really like cultivating a loving relationship. Cause at the end of the day, like, like, yeah, cool. I fought, but like, I don't expect any like people in the stand to come save me. Like I don't expect anyone come help me with this or help me with that but the people that do show up like that's got to be the most important thing if that makes sense totally man well i'm also a believer in jesus myself and i would just argue that those people can't save you you know yeah oh yeah um who is uh jesus to you oh man he's he's everything I think he is the way, he's the light, he's the truth. And with him in my life and with him in my corner is infinitely better than with him outside my life and outside my corner. And that's one thing I let, I, I, um, I love fighting because it's, it's brought me definitely a lot closer to God and Jesus Christ. And it, even in spite of all my like failures, they still have my back. 
And just knowing that uh, gives me tons of extra confidence going in there and just living my life. And it, it's, it's hard to like share this because I feel like personally, like I, I try and hold myself to a really high standard. And I feel like I never really like meet that standard, especially when it comes to my relationship. But I'm trying to meet that standard. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, how have you become closer to God throughout fighting? Um, I just think everyone got a lot of great relationships through fighting. And I think like even talking to you today, like I feel like God gives everyone special gifts. And I believe with as much humility as I can that I have a special gift in fighting. And so to like really like explore that talent of mine that God gave me, I need to work as hard as I can at it. And I need to use this platform to share more of his light. And I don't think I'd be able to share his light if I didn't have this platform. And I think that's one of the main reasons why I love fighting is because I get to shout him out after I win. I get to still be a missionary because I, I, uh, I really miss that time when I was a missionary in Fiji. Because number one, it's Fiji. It's like the best place on earth. Really beautiful. But number two, I just love being a missionary. And being able to be a missionary in the combat sports world, just as great. Do uh, do you feel um, like fighting is a spiritual experience for you at all? Because it's always interested me with athletes after they win. Um, obviously, you want to shout out your savior and whatnot. Um but some of some people, sometimes some fighters specifically will be like, I do this for Jesus. Um, and I don't know if they necessarily mean like like you're saying, like to shout him out afterwards or if like they mean like literally like punching someone straight in the dome for for 15 minutes for Jesus. Um, but Neil Dariush is my favorite uh, person on the mic afterwards because he re- I think that he doesn't just shout out Jesus. He tells people if you need the way, the truth and the life. Like, like he really goes in to be like, listen, even if you're not ready for this, I'm just telling you, Jesus is the way. And I wouldn't be here without him. I love Benil, man. Yeah, so he's, he's a savage on the mic. Dude, and he's a savage in the cage, bro. Yeah, he is. Um, but do you think, like, fighting is a spiritual, like, experience for you at all, or no? For me, for me, it's definitely spiritual. There's, like, I, because fighting is such a, it's such a team sport, but it's also very individualistic. Like, I'd be nothing without my coaches and without uh, my Spartan partners, without the people I train with, and then without the people that push me and motivate me. But at the same time, it's, like, a lot like life. And when I go out there, I'm by myself. And so when I go out and be by myself, like, I, I need that spiritual connection to make it work. And having that, to me, it's like the biggest game changer. And I think fighting super spiritual because it's about overcoming. Like fight, like f- fighting in and of itself is just like overcoming, overcoming your insecurities and your weaknesses, but also overcoming your opponent, also overcoming the crowd. Over- it's just overcoming everything. And I love that about it. And I think like Jesus Christ is the ultimate overcomer. That's why I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a way to put it. Jesus is the ultimate overcomer, man. Um, sick. Well, Kawhi, I got uh, two more questions for you, bro. And we'll wrap on these. Let's hear it. I think it's dope that you went on a mission full two years. Yeah. Well, I got like 20 months. I got cut short from COVID. Oh, shoot. Uh, I was like I was like four months away from being done. So I was, I was kind of pissed about that. Dang. Do you want to, are they, would they ever allow you to go back for four months or no? Um, no, uh, at the time it was, if you had six months or more, then you could finish out in the States or whatever. But if you have six months or less, then you're done. And wow. so I just got cut. I was kind of pissed. I was on a very beautiful Island the islands of Fiji. And I was just me and my companion, no, no other missionary and like a thousand people. And that was it. So I was having the time of my life. So here's my question. Thanks, bro. Let's hear him. What are what is the most beautiful experience you had in Fiji? And what was the hardest, like what was the moment in Fiji that you felt like you had to fight? Like that God was calling you to possibly like fight through something. 
or battle something maybe? Oh, those are two really good questions. I think there's this one time I was on this uh, tiny island. It's called a uh, Rotuma. And if you look it up on like Google Earth or something, it's literally like the smallest island. And it was like an hour plane ride from the main island of Fiji. And Fiji in and of itself is a tiny speck on the map in the South Pacific Ocean. And so I was like away from everything. And um, man, I have a lot of very beautiful moments for my mission and it's hard to kind of pinpoint one, but I'll just talk about this one. And um, we it was at night, the power goes off. It's like on intermittently throughout the day and then the power goes off at night. And the, the, the skies just are like, it's so dark outside, but if you look up, the stars are just so beautiful. And it's you're in a warm climate. And we were outside one night. Me and my companion and uh, the people of Fiji are very musical, musically inclined. And um, we we're just sitting outside this one uh, traditional hut. And one of the uh, like uh, village girls or one of the fam family members, she's probably like 17, 18, and she was just playing on the guitar and she was playing um, the Hallelujah song. Mm. And she's just playing that, and you couldn't even see her face, right? You can't even see her hand in front of your face, but you see the stars above you, and you're just on this beautiful island, and, like, you feel so alone, but yet you feel so connected. And that was just, like, so... That was, like, such a beautiful moment. I always remember that. That sounds like, man, gorgeous, dude. Yeah, it was very, very nice. Then another thing is... um. I think something that I struggle with is loving others because I am like pretty competitive. I like to talk smack and be a fighter. But there's one thing I learned on my mission that like kind of to fight, always fight. It's um, there's this family that we were kind of teaching and um, actually, no, here's the, here's the actual story. I was in one of my areas and I was super sick one night, super sick. I had a companion from Papua New Guinea, which is a very third world country. And it was just like a, uh, just a very interesting companionship. And I was super sick one day, just all day, just like dead fever, wake up, barely even eat, go back to sleep, throw up, just everything, just everything was going bad. And we like in Fiji is very interesting because a lot of third world countries, they have like very very nice places and very very slum places and this area is very nice and we lived in a nice ish house which is like gated community we had like watchdogs but only because there's like slums like right next to us like shacks literally like in between the big houses and uh one night i was that night that i was sick my companion is just so bored so we had like a kind of like a lawn keeper, a housekeeper on the property with us. And him and the housekeeper were just talking. There's another Fijian guy, and they're just speaking. And I go outside, and it's probably like 10, 11 at night, and I've just been sick all day. I was just dying. And as I'm chilling there in this very nice area, I see... No, no disrespect to the Chinese, but there's a lot of Chinese out there. Okay. I see a Chinese guy taking, like, two very beautiful Fijian girls back to his house. And when I saw that, like, kind of broke my heart because, like, the Fijian girls were uh, prostitutes. Mm. Kind of forced into that trafficking world. I, I remember I had, like, a $100 bill in my pocket. But I was, like, so sick. Like, I didn't even think to just, like, pay them the $100 just to go home. You know what I mean? Like, I was in, like, such, like, such, like, disbelief and, like, sadness that I didn't speak up. And that always kind of planted the seed. And I think, I think that's why I love fighting because, you know, I want to grow this platform to help the people of Fiji and, like, the people of the other islands, the small Pacific islands, to, like, stop that trash from going on. You know what I mean? Wow, dude. So you didn't end up giving those girls the $100. I, I didn't I, I didn't even like I knew I had it but I like it happened so fast like they walked past me so quick that I was just like I was still pretty sick 
And I was just like, what the freak is going on? Yeah. And I, it didn't even like register. It didn't like really register to me until like I thought about it more. Then I was like super sad. Wow, dude. That obviously still weighs on your heart today and like kind of like motivates you to do what you're doing today, huh? Yeah, yeah, of course. Totally. Well, dude. That's a great that's that is a super dichotomy of a beautiful situation and an absolutely just devilish circumstance on the other side, man. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's it's a challenge. That's for sure, bro. Well, Kawhi, dude, thank you so much for doing this, man. Um, I really appreciate it. I love your heart for fighting. Um, I love your heart for people, even if you say that sometimes you do have a hard time loving people. Um, and I love your heart for God, man. Uh, is there anything else you want to say just to close out the show? Any, uh, no, any, thank you for having Go on. Sorry. Is there any, any news for the people? No, uh, no. Thank you for having me on, bro. Appreciate you giving me this platform to speak about me and my experiences. I, I always feel uh, kind of shy about doing this because uh, I haven't really accomplished much, but I'll get there. And, it's, all, uh, no, it's all about the journey, man. Yeah, no, it totally is. And uh, yeah, no, thank you for uh, highlighting me. Thanks for those shout outs on those other podcasts. Those are pretty sick. I listened to those ones. Those are really cool. Uh, no, no, man. Thank you. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Oh, shout out to my sponsors, Blackbeard Fire, Titan Rugby. They did my uh, Titan did my uh, fight gear. That's one of my brother's company. And Blackbeard Fire is uh, my other two brothers, and I work for them. And so if you ever support Blackbeard Fire Starters, you're basically supporting me. Shout out, baby. All right, that's Kawhi Thompson, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you so much, and we will see you next time for uh, episode 46. Yes, sir. Thanks, bro. Later, man. You're gonna know me. You're gonna know my name. Like Tom Hanks